0: This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, whether you're on YouTube, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple. Just hit that subscribe button. Also hit that like button. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gird Iron Battle Zone, Brian King. From Steelers Nation South, Rollo Coffin. And from Penn State, our collegiate all-star, Kevin Adams. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by joined by Lloyd Eisler. He's a Canadian pair skater. He's partnered with uh, Isabella I can't rule my r's for sure <laughs> <laughs> they would go on to win seven medals in the world championships a gold three silvers two bronze and of course two bronze medals at the olympics uh obviously the winter olympics uh, in 1994 they retired from amateur went pro and they would continue to win and they'd grown popularity uh in 2006 he appeared on american television skating with the celebrities and won that competition so we got three-time Olympian here, Lloyd Eisler. Lloyd, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Pleasure to be here. I love the hat, by the way, too. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> so tonight's debate is going to be the greatest pair skating couple of all time. As always, afterwards, we're going to have a Q&A uh, uh, with Lloyd about his career. But uh, we're going to start out tonight with Kevin.
1: So forgive me on the pronunciation, everyone. I'm going to try my best. Katharina uh, <laughs> Gordiva. And Sergey Grinkov, uh, known as GG, they started skating together uh, pretty young, uh, 11 years old uh, for Katerina and um, 15 for Sergey. So they had a a long time together. They started to grow a romantic relationship in 89, and they ended up getting married. Uh, But together as a couple, uh, they were the 1988 and 94 Olympic champions, four-time world champions. Uh, in pair skating as well as one silver medalist um, and a two-time European champion um, and one silver in that uh, event as well. They won pretty much almost every competition that they entered. In the 31 competitions uh, that we have results for uh, in the senior and professional levels, they finished first 24 times and never lower than second place from the time that they won their first senior world title. That's pretty impressive. Uh, They are one of the few pair teams in history to successfully complete the quadruple twist lift in international competition. It's a very difficult move uh, that they had learned. Uh, they landed it um, in the 87 World Championships as well as the 87 European Championships. Um, and she had later wrote um, in uh, this my Sergey Love Story, I believe it's what it's called, after her, her p- husband unfortunately passed. She said uh, it was a move in which Sergey would throw her in the air. She would do a split. And closed her legs and made four turns before he caught her. Uh, we were the only pair to do this quadruple element, and it was very exhausting, more exhausting than difficult. Soviet doctors had measured my pulse rate as exceeding 200 beats a minute when we did it. That's how probably scary and dangerous this move is and difficult it was. They are one of the most influential, celebrated, decorated team in, in history of, of the sport. Many consider them to be the greatest pair of teams to ever take the ice. Uh, They had great quality um, of their basic skating skills. Greenkoff and Gordiva had something special uh, that was more easily appreciated, probably in person. If you saw them in person, it probably would hit home a little better. But when they skated, they were so light on their skates that you really didn't hear the scratching on the ice because of how fluid they were. It came natural. This is one of the greatest pairs of skating in the history of the sport, for sure.
0: That move reminds me of the. What was it the Panchenko in the cutting edge with DB Sweeney? Yeah, nice. he'd, he'd be proud of that one. He's He's been on this show before, but uh, oh, cool. So, Lloyd, let, let me come to you here. Um, well, before I even ask you about Gigi, um, Kevin mentioned something that kind of caught my attention there. How often do these couples fall in love and 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 you know have a relationship because uh, you, you spend so much time together?
2: I would think that probably. Quite a lot. What happens is, is you either create a relationship that is is strictly friends and things like that, and then you remain friends forever, or at some point in your career, because what you're trying to create is one look, right? So the whole idea is, if you spend that much time with someone and you're really good, obviously you're incredibly compatible, right? So being compatible is what we look for in any relationship, and so that's sort of. Makes sense for two people like that to get together, especially when they're fairly close in age, they've got the same goals, the same desires, and all of that. So it happens, I would say, probably more than 75% of the time.
0: All right, so let's talk GG here for a minute. So in the 90 championships, you finished runner up to them. Many, Mm -hmm. many thought you should have won, and I actually went back and watched both routines. I had just scored a little higher, but you know that's you know thirty years ago, so we'll right. let yeah. that go. But uh, yeah, so they're they're kind of known for, believe it or not, basic skating technique, um, nothing flashy, but they always got the job done. So you know, what what are your thoughts on them and and that move that Kevin mentioned?
2: Well, back so let's their, their skating was incredible. So what they did really really well was. They weren't flashy and, and over the top, but they were incredibly smooth, really, really powerful skaters. Sergei was a big guy um, and very, very powerful skater on his own. And Ekaterina was just very, very elegant and lovely and light on her feet. So the moves that they did were often really flawless It never, ever looked like they were working really hard to achieve what they were out there to do. So when you watch them, you were sort of mesmerized by the efficiency in which they covered the ice. The moves that they did were in some ways quite simple, not always as technically difficult as their competitors, but with the grace and, and just finesse that they did everything, made them an incredible pair team to watch and also to compete against.
0: Well, let's move on to Brian.
1: All right. I got
3: uh, Irina Rodnina, uh, five foot tall. um, And I have uh, Alexander uh, uh, Zaitsev, who's five foot ten. They're both out of the former Soviet Union. Uh, Irina, during her career, I mean, she she picked up more gold than Fort Knox. I mean, this woman had 11 European championship golds. She won in every year from 1969 to 1978. And then, then won again in 1980. Only reason why she didn't win in uh, 1979 was because she actually gave birth. So then uh, Arena won 10 consecutive gold medals at the World Championships, which was an amazing run, which saw victories on three different continents. Um, And then Arena won three gold medals at the Olympics as well, at Sapporo, Innsbruck, and Lake Placid. Uh, Once her career was over, she was inducted into the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame and the International Women's Hall of Fame. Uh, She eventually got into politics um, uh, out in Russia. Now, her partner, Alexander, uh, he was with Arena for about 75, 80% of her career. Uh, From 73 to 1980, together, they won gold at every single event that they entered. No pair had ever had a run like that before or since. Um, One unbelievable moment in their career. Uh, occurred in 1973 in the championships in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Their music was actually turned off in the middle of their routine um, on their short program, and despite that, they were still able to maintain that focus, that that intensity, that concentration to finish it and win the gold. Uh, despite you know that what had happened there, so this this to me this this pair is is the best of all time because. Every time they enter together, they want. So, Lloyd,
0: look, let's, let's talk the height difference first. Five foot and 5'10", that's a pretty big height difference. I, I know they usually like them to, to be pretty close. Um, what kind of problems can that cause?
2: Uh, well, it, it actually really doesn't cause a whole lot of problems. It actually is a huge asset. Um, huh. And if you look at most of the great pairs in the world, they all had a, a very significant height advantage um, from the boy to the girl. Um, and that creates a lot of opportunity to do lifts, to do throws, to do elements where like what we talked about with G and G before, their quad twist to get the girl up high enough to be able to do four turns in the air. Can you imagine if both kids were, say five foot eight and the girl was 140 pounds? Well, that's a whole lot different than being six feet tall and lifting someone that's only 100 pounds throughout a four and a half minute program. So the height difference plays a huge port, uh, part in the advantage to being able to do really high difficult moves, as well as just it creates a really kind of good look on the ice, actually, because it creates a nice line that everybody can look at and, and sort of see that the guy is the, in the in the male portion of the of the skating is The dominant one the woman is is more you know a little bit of a follower but also you know probably the bigger part of the i would say strength in the team for having to let the guy do everything that needs to be done
0: that's interesting because when i was researching uh my girl natalia we'll get into her in a little bit Mm -hmm. her first partner they had come back and said that he was too tall for her and it didn't look right so they switched it up but so, so Irina, Alexander, we know that the Soviets are ultra powerful. And of course, back in this time period, we're talking Soviet Union, nonstop working at what you do. You basically were, that was your job and, and mm-hmm. that was all you did. So your thoughts on Irina and Alexander, which are probably the easiest names to pronounce tonight. I'm just going to throw that yeah, out. So. No
2: kidding. <laughs> I
0: think if you look back
2: on pair teams, I think, you know, obviously that was the beginning of incredible Russian dominance um, where the era was now with technical difficulty and speed and power. There were teams before that, but that was back in, you know, a long time ago, but with Irina and uh, Sergey or Alexander, they they were the epitome of just power and force, right? Unlike g g who were elegant on the ice um, Irina and Alexander were nothing like elegant on the ice. They were just raw power. He was an incredibly powerful skater, and so was Irina. You know, she was the one that was in charge of that team. She was the one that was the one that was getting up every day and going to practice and saying, "We're going to skate six hours today, not three like you want to do. We're going to skate this much. We're going to wow. train this hard. We're going to be ready for every competition." Uh, Thus, her longevity and going through a couple partners, but still being at the top, you know, Um, watching them and old footage of them. It's always fun to watch because. There was hardly any teams back then that were just that powerful and that exciting to watch. Um, And he was he was a bull. I mean, he was just an absolute beast on the ice, not very elegant by any means, not, you know, Not a fun person to watch as far as, oh, he's going to be really graceful on the ice. Not going to happen at all. Their their whole shtick, I guess you could say, was just nothing but power and brawn. And it it set the stage for what everybody after them were trying to perform and being that powerful and also being able to do the tricks that they were doing given the era that they were in. Um, I don't think any pair to this day has created such power and brawn and been able to do what they did. We've had some great teams and, and elegance and things like that, but the combination of that, I don't think has been has been done ever since. Does the powerfulness, does that
0: hurt the, the technical side of it?
2: Well, I think the technical side, what they were able to do was certainly the beginning of, of new eras of, of difficulty. Obviously, when you look at what was done in say 1990 and 93 and 94, the technical ability was incredibly greater than what they did, but that's just the evolution of the sport. But given their era, what they were doing was phenomenal and completely outclassed literally everybody else that competed against them. Um, and you know, they were trying things and doing things that we still did during the beginning of my era, but you know then everybody takes it to a different level no different than 40 years ago people were trying doubles and you know now we had a russian uh young man that just did a quadruple axle right What no one ever thought would do so the evolution of technology skate development training all of that plays a big part in it but during their era there was there was nothing that they couldn't do per se that if you asked them to do they were always fun to watch i had the the pleasure of, of of meeting them on many occasions. Um, Sergei was exactly, or Alexander was exactly like he looked in pictures and skating. He was just kind of a non-talkative, very quiet guy that just went about his business. Arena was just one of the most pleasant people you'd ever want to meet in your life. Talkative, always... A great ambassador for the sport, and continued in the sport for a long period of time. Where Al- Alexander, when he was done, he kind of he just he just kind of vanished into uh, oblivion.
0: All right, Rallo, who are you bringing to us tonight?
4: Uh, I got Mila Belasova and Oleg Protopopov. Uh, <laughs> Belasova was five two, and Protopopov was five nine. So her being that small and him being that big <clears throat> helped him lift her, like like you mentioned before, and create elegant lines. They were uh, more of a romantic style, uh, balletic, um, and that's because they were married. They met in 1954 and got married in 1957. And the next year, the pair, um, debuted at the World Championships in 1958, where they finished 13th. They also placed ninth at the 1960 Winter Games. It was in 1962 that the pair would signify but they arrived in, in, in pair skating um, at the 1962 World Championship. They were the first pair from the USSR to make the podium since pair skating was introduced in 1908. Uh, at the Winter Games in Austria, they became the first in Olympic pairs, sk- figure skating from the USSR, to win gold for the Soviet Union, uh, which would start a streak of 40 straight years of Russians dominating pair skating. Um, they also won gold in 1964. In um, the following year, they would be the first to win the world and European golds. They would capture gold at the age of 32 and 35, respectively, uh, at those Olympic Games. Um, From 1962 to 1969, they would place first, second, or third in every world and European championship. And that includes four consecutive world and European titles from 65 to 68. it's not their style. Was nothing like it is like it is today, with like the power and you know, like you mentioned before. So they were slow, melodic, um, <clears throat> but uh, they they would compete up until the 70s, where they were told they couldn't compete anymore. The Russians told them not to stop competing and just trade. So during in 79, during a skating um, a skating tour, they defected to Switzerland. And from there, they competed in just ice shows, but they won four World Pro Championships. So <clears throat> this was the pair that started the dominance of the Russians in skating. So this is why they should be on top, because they have the numbers, they have the stats, they have the the, the accolades and the hardware.
0: So, I guess we could call them the OGs, you know, the original gangsters here for the Soviet <laughs> Union. Lloyd, let, let me start with what were your thoughts on them being told they could no longer skate for the Soviet union? What do you think about that? Oh, not surprising. I
2: mean, you know, it, it in, in the old uh, USSR, everybody was told what they could do, when they could do it, how they could do it. Um, and there was no, you know, rhyme or reason why or why not. So, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me. I think it still happens today, unfortunately. Um, but not surprising, you know, I was, uh, I'm an old guy, so I was very uh, fortunate to actually do many of the shows with Ludmila and Oleg uh, in in Harvard at uh, a show that they did every year. Great, great people. Um, Certainly, they did start the the world on fire with with their pair skating. They were up against uh, a great Canadian team of um, Barbara Wagner and Bob Paul uh, from Canada who were at that time... Uh, also, uh, just a, a team that was just way above and beyond everybody, uh, and in fact, just before '62, Wagner had Paul Wagner and Paul had beat them at the 1960 Olympics, where they uh, had come 13th or whatever. Um, but their their rise to to the top was strictly through, I think, the USSR's regiment of "We're going to tell you exactly what to do." and and they did it and they were they were just the nicest people in the world Um, they had some strange training techniques that were I think to this day people look back and we all we all laugh at it Um, and I can tell you this but one of the things that was really interesting is that we all talked about the Russians and, and the doping scandals and things like that back then, but Lunila and Oleg used to, um, and this is kind of funky. I don't know if you'll be able to use it. You can edit out, but they used to drink each other's urine and it was very, very well known that that, oh, was, that was part <laughs> yes. of their regimen and uh, we all knew it, you know, and wow. I was just young when I, when I heard that and I thought, okay, that's a little over the top, you know, um, but as far as what they did on the ice and their their artistry was absolutely unique, you know, their ability to to have the beginnings of some real power, but still they were you know, what they, the elements that they were doing back then were nothing compared to, obviously present day, but at that time was pretty, pretty unique. Pretty terrifying for everyone else watching, going, Well, we'd never try that, right? Um, but they were just the nicest people in the world. I loved, I loved doing shows with them. And even at even at the last show I did with them, I think that they were, I think, in their 80s on the ice, you know, just skating around the ice, right? Um, but still it was kind of fun to be able to watch them go out there and skate. Um, especially as a pair skater. I've always watched everybody, you know. Some people nowadays, you ask them, you know, who won in 1960 or, or 56 or anything. And our young athletes today have no idea. They're not historians of the sport. They don't look back and go, how did I get to this point? And why is this part of the sport really exciting to watch? They have no idea. Yet watching people like the Proto um, and other people along the way, people should really know the history of the sport.
0: Well, we can say what we want about their training, it worked. So I mean, <laughs> they were fun. Yeah. They were nice, nice people. So while uh, I mentioned the Russia or Soviet Union, Russian dominance for 40 years. I mean, what do you attribute to that, that they've been going so strong? I know we've run into some past shows uh, recently. We had um, Canadian Olympian Sarah Vellani on and, and, you know, the, 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 the doping scandal came up a little mm-hmm. bit in that show. That, is that part of it? Was that involved in your sport? Oh, absolutely,
2: absolutely. I think the, the, uh, so back in, in the USSR days, obviously, you know, they were removed from their homes. They were taken to special areas to train, to live, um, eat, um, do whatever else was needed. And by anything else, I mean, I guarantee there was doping and, and drugs back then that no one ever knew about because it was no long before the era, but the Russians were always on top of that. Um, And back then in Canada, I think, and and the rest of the world, other than East Germany at the time, people were more just, we're going to do this for recreation. Because back then, sport wasn't, you know, obviously you didn't get paid to do it. You know, you did it in your spare time. You had a real job. You probably had a family. Probably had given birth to a couple kids. So it was what you did for a few months a year, right? Well, that wasn't what it was like in the USSR. You did it full time. They paid you. You got to live here You got to train every day. So just the sheer amount of availability to actually become an athlete didn't really get to the Western world until, you know, I would say probably the, even as late as the 70s. And, you know, so by then the Russians were 20 years ahead of everybody, you know, and so their machine was already in motion and it took a long time
0: for the rest of the world to catch up well let's move on to our final skaters tonight and that's going to be Natalia Mishkutinok and Artur Dmitriev. so either maybe uh Rallo or myself got the hardest names tonight but we'll go from there so these two formed a team in 1986 and um success didn't take long by 98 they had won three competitions finished third in the European Championships and second at the Soviet Championships. So they had some success pretty quickly. Um, So from there, it was nothing but success. We got two World Championship golds and a bronze. Same with the European Championships and tossed in another bronze. And as we move into 1992, they pick up the gold medal at the Olympics and then a silver in the 94 Olympics. So they got 14 first place finishes overall in their careers as amateurs and seven seconds and five-thirds. So they have the stats to compete with everybody tonight. And I know that a lot of websites kind of had them ranked fourth, but I I do think they have the stats compared tonight. So together, um, they have a distinction that few Olympians uh, have, and that's they represented the Soviet Union, the unified team, and Russia. So three, technically all the same country, but three different things. So a little a little thing for their for them there. And Dmitriev is the only male to win Olympic gold with two different uh, partners. I know there's uh, one female out there who has done it, but uh, Dmitriev is the only male to do that. Um, so Natalia, she was actually inspired um, by Brian, your skater, Irina. Uh, um, so while she was training to be a single skater, she saw Irina out there on the ice with her class teaching, and that's what inspired her to be uh, a pair skater um and then arthur he was the son of a two-time olympian champion which was arthur with a h in there Dmitriev. um so he was basically just born into the sport and um he'd become the first male to ever perform a triple lutz triple flip which is considered the most dangerous ice skating move at least it was at the time i know the further we get here in, in in the future the more intense things that they're doing we, we saw that in the last winter olympics but um ardor he had charm and passion which we don't see so much anymore but he always kissed the hand of uh his his partner when they were done which i i, I find that very charming i i know my yeah. my wife got a kick out of that and uh, natalia she has she was very flexible and and creative in her spins so that that's the question i want to come to you with lloyd on these two um so obviously the flexibility and the creative spins but specifically we had one that was called the natasha spin and then we had the backwards inside death spiral Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with those uh, Mm yeah you are okay (laughs) so what can you what can you tell us about those and and these two as, as a partner Well, Natalia was
2: very flexible, which gave them an an added feature because when they were skating, so they were one of my arch rivals during my entire career. Um, And so it gave them an opportunity to be creative. And it was at the same time when the rules were changing to allow more creativity for people to say, "Okay, we're going to give you a spin. We want these components. You get to make it up. Right. So then it became the athletes who got to make up their own spin with sort of some parameters and guidelines given to them. Um, With the flexibility of Natalia, it gave them a little added bonus that they could do things that other people possibly couldn't. Um, So that really, really, really helped them. Um, They were a great team. I love probably Artur and Natalia are probably some of my closest friends that are from Russia. Um, We loved competing against each other. Um, We enjoyed our time out on the ice going head-to-head. He's probably the most talented male pair skater that I've ever come across. He had the attributes. He had all the attributes. He could jump. He could spin. He could lift. He was powerful. He's a big dude. Um, Probably one of the only guys that actually outweighed me during my era um, as far as size and strength. Um, but we got along great. Natalia was diminutive, very, very quiet. You could almost think that she was not Russian. You know, she would hang out with the Americans and the Canadians. And, you know, she really loved the American Western world. Um, thus she still lives in Colorado and coaches and has yes. some fantastic pair teams right now in the U.S., you know, where a lot of the Russians went back home to Russia. Natalia really loved the Western world. Um, just a good, really nice person. Like, not too many Russians would I ever say that about because they tend to have their old ways about them and, and that type of thing. But she was she was one of the few that was just a genuine heart of a person. Um, and their skating showed it. You know, their skating really, really showed it. She wasn't exceedingly talented when it comes to um, the physical side of it, the jumping and the the throws, um, but all of the artistry that went with Natalya was phenomenal. But Artur made up for all of that because, you know, we use the word metrosexual sometimes in, in, in many, many sports and in our daily lives. But if you saw Artur at the bar, you'd think that he was, you know, a wrestler or some kind of, you know, WWE dude and then you saw him in spandex and tights which we sadly had to wear back in my era <laughs> you, it was really like wow this guy can really do everything right and he never had a problem with it you know and it was just I really liked him they were you know such a great team to compete against such good good people and we had some great rivalries and great competitions um, throughout our entire career and for all of those uh, medals and championships you talk about I was there for every one of them um, because we retired at the same time. Um, And Artur with three, he has three Olympic gold medals or three Olympic medals and and two golds and one with actually a different partner. Um, So that's, you know, that takes a lot of talent. Um, But uh, yeah, I would, if you could split up the guys and the girls and say, who's the best pair team? I would put Artur first as far as the best male pair skater that I've ever run across.
0: Oh, excellent. So I'm, I'm getting half there, guys. Remember that in your vote. <laughs> <laughs>
2: if so, Artur and Irona, Irina Rodnina skated together, we'd probably never have another champion other than Russians in
0: our in the history of, figure, of Paris figure skating. Wow. Awesome. Well, before we move into our vote tonight, our shout outs tonight to couples that just missed the list, and I, I hope I get this name right, but it Shui Shen and Honk. Huh? Hong Zhao. Hong Zhao, Zha. <laughs> Zha. yes, and of course Lloyd Eisler and, and his his beautiful partner Isabella Bushel. So, just a couple shout-outs. Just missed our, our our top four here tonight, but we're gonna move into our vote. Guys, cannot vote for your own. Kevin, I got you in my upper corner. Who are you
1: taking? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with uh, with Brian's Irena and Alexander, and uh, he even influenced your your pair there Mike uh, at least half your pair so that just shows that the legacy of his couple uh, extended okay
3: Brian uh, I I gotta go with uh, with Sergey and Katarina I mean that was uh, you know that uh, you know that, that twist lift was impressive and, and just I mean they I don't know they, it's just a really impressive pair all the way around okay Rallo gotta go with G&G
0: <clears throat> okay and um I-, I was actually torn between all three couples tonight i, I think Gigi, uh, there as a pair they might have a little more hardware than everyone else so that kind of puts them there but Irina did inspire my skater and then rollo with your pick man i mean that they're, they're the ogs they they started a lot of stuff that people you know, we saw today. Like we see today, they started a lot of that. So they're the original gangsters of this. So I am actually going to give them my vote because of that. And uh, Lloyd, we, we come to you. Any of the four? Who are you, who are you taking as the best all time here?
2: So I, I can't pick one from each team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, uh, for me, uh,
2: for me, I'd probably have to go with um, Artur and Natalia. Okay, I think I'm probably a little bit biased because they were they were my friends, and you know to compete against them was 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 unique. But uh, you know I I would I would go with them. It'd be a toss up between them and G and G.
0: So tonight's vote, we got we got one for everybody except for two with uh, Katrina Godiva and Sergey Grinkov. So Kevin, you get the win. Congratulations, (laughs) another win for you tonight. And uh because you get the win,
1: you get first question in our Q and a for Lloyd tonight. Awesome, so people don't think like they realize how difficult just skating in general is, and let alone on figure skates i I played ice hockey and I could skate perfectly fine on ice skates, but I wore figure skates one time, and I could not stay on my feet to save my life <laughs> and For you guys to do like the jumps and the twists and the lifts on these skates it is incredible. so I want to bring you to i guess a lift that you had did. You used one hand to lift your mm-hmm. partner, which wasn't common. Correct. Um, usually, people use two hands and then they let go. So right. how'd you how'd you get into doing it? Just the complete lift with one hand, and, and how did how did that all come about?
2: So so for me, one of the things was one of my obviously my strengths was was just my sheer strength and my balance. So it always took me in a direction where. I tried to push the limit as far as I could. And, and that was the era where you got to make up things, right? You got to decide on, on they'd say, okay, you need a lift. It's got to be like this, but we don't care how you get into it, how you get out of it, whatever. So it gave us the option to do that. And Isabel being much smaller than me, um, it was something that we wanted to do. And I thought this would be cool. Um, of course, Isabel was very against it. She's like, that's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to be able to lift me with one arm. And uh, yeah, so we just started doing it and doing it off the ice first, doing it on a harness, um, so no one would get hurt. And then we'd stand still on the ice, and then moving slowly, and it became one of our signature moves, you know. And we had, you know, everyone said, "Oh, they must have a 200-pound weight difference between us," but we only had an 80-pound weight difference between us, um, her being 100 and me being 180, and it was it was tough. It was really really hard. Everything had to do to be with it, and you're right. Being on, the, on a figure skating blade is much different than being on a hockey blade. And I know because I'm on my hockey skates eight hours a day now. Um, and it, it is very, very different. But the whole balance that you need to create and carry 100 pounds while it's moving a little bit above you um, and be on the ice is really, really difficult. I always said to my friends, we had jokes, we would carry a 100 pound bag of potatoes around the ice sometimes to try and figure it out. And people be dropping him all the time, right? And I'm like, that's a bag of potatoes, right? And it's moving and you can't control it. And I'm controlling Isabel with one hand. Now, it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of strength on the part of the girl to make sure that she's in the right position. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got to make up things like that. I love being creative. No one's ever done anything since that. And I don't think anyone ever will.
4: Well, you won two bronze medals at the Olympics, uh, which is a huge feat. Uh, which one of those um, podium stands stood out more for you for your path to that uh, bronze medal?
2: Probably 94. Um, So in 92, we, we came third, but we didn't, we didn't perform to our expectations. We went into 92 as the favorites to win and we, we didn't, we didn't win. And, we didn't skate as well as we could. And other people skated their best and beat us. And we were very, very discouraged, almost to the point where it was like, you know, well, it was only third, right? As I'm older now, I appreciate and and know that every medal is a feat unto itself. But in 94, it was funny because some people had us winning the championship. Some people had a second. Um, we ended up coming third. I personally thought we should have won that championship. But it didn't really matter because our we skated the best we could have. We had a great time. We enjoyed ourselves. And the feeling of just sheer accomplishment of a whole year of training paid off. Yet it was the same medal, but it was a totally different vibe as far as the feeling inside us. So it wasn't until then that I realized how important the 92 medal was that now I have two medals, and they're both the same color, um, but just a very different feeling. But 94 was the culmination of of everything I'd ever trained for.
3: Well, Lloyd, I, I got to ask, 2006, I had the Fox show, uh, it's game with celebrities. Uh, during the competition, you're partner with Christy Swanson, so... Did the sparks fly immediately or was there like a a cutting edge kind of thing where there was a little bit of fighting or a little bit of uh, uh, slow developing or how did all that go and and what was it like being on that show? It was a great show. We really, really really enjoyed that show.
2: I think what a lot of people don't realize is that so when it came down to the last four teams, we were on the ice six hours a day, you know, training some of the celebrities on how to skate. Christy could skate, but not really, really well. We did not have a, a sort of a bond per se at the very beginning of the show or even after the show our friendship kind of grew into something later on um but Chrissy is I mean obviously she's a a famous actress and and has accolades unto herself and she didn't get there by someone giving it to her right she had to work hard so I always remembered our very first day we had a three-hour session after an hour I'm like you know I'm bored to tears let's just get the heck off this ice like I don't want to be out here anymore we've done enough she's like no, we have three hours and we're going to use every minute of it. And I thought, oh, okay, then we're going to stay out here, I guess. Um, and that kind of set the tone for our relationship as well, because she was incredibly dedicated and, and always wanted to work hard. And I love that, right? I absolutely love that. So that, I think, drew me to just being even a closer friend. And then things grew into that afterwards. So it was a, it was a fun thing to do. Um, and, you know, here we are married 16 years
0: later. It uh, It's, it's, it's been a great relationship and a wonderful, a wonderful time together. Didn't like Dave kool use like ice hockey skates on that show or something, if I recall? Well, no, what he, what he,
2: what he did, Dave's a good friend of mine because we played men's league together, but what he did was he took his, the figure skates that they were all given to wear and he shaved the toe picks off so that they uh, were like a figure, like a, like a hockey skate, right? Because he didn't every he, he was falling over his toe literally every time he stepped he'd fall on his face, um, and Dave can play the game. He's, he's a quite a good hockey player, but yes. he couldn't skate where he couldn't skate worth crap. And uh, so he's like, I'm going to shave the toe picks off. That wasn't you know that wasn't one of the rules that you couldn't do or anything. And it was it was
0: funny. It was uh, it was really really funny. Huh. So my question for you here: so before partnering with uh, Bouchard, you skated with Karen Westby and I hope I get this one right, Katarina Maduzek. Yep, close. Who, yeah, you got a bronze with her at the World Championships, but, I mean, neither, you know, quite clicked as well a- a- as it did with uh, uh, Brasheur. So, you know, what do you feel the reasoning was for that? Uh, and do you, what do you attribute to just the amazing chemistry that, that you had with your
2: partner? So with Kathy, I love skating with Kathy. We had a great time. Cathy was... a a taller girl she was about five foot three um so some of the things we were limited to even with my strength um and she got injured because we were trying so back then um Kathy and I were starting to be the first pair to ever try a throw triple axel long before anyone ever ever tried anything like that um and the force to come down from that height and that much revolution i look at it now because i have video of it and i'm like wow why did we ever try that like i wouldn't let anybody throw me that high in the air you know (laughs) and uh so she got injured and it was very it was a tough injuries to come back from and i think that she ended up she was just like i'm she was trained out if you can say that a lot of athletes get to that point where they they no longer want to train they they just they they can't do it anymore um kathy and i are still friends today You know, we had a a very good, very personal um, friendship relationship. Our our relationship, nothing ever transpired into romantics at all. We were there strictly business, strictly skating. Um, And so when I skated with Karen, it was more like a year where I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, Did I want to continue skating? Did I want to quit Uh, My mother told me I should quit. She's like, you're all washed up. You know, you probably should quit. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to quit. Um, So Karen and I skated for a year. I eventually took a year off because I was suspended from the association for some bad verbiage I used and some misconduct from that type of thing. And uh, um, long story short, a gentleman that I had met when I was 11 years old, who was a Famous coach for here in the U.S., coached people like the Carruthers, um, lots of teams that were like Olympic bound, um, Olympic champions. He said, you need to give Isabella a call. I know she's looking for a partner. At that point, I was a bouncer in a bar. I was probably 25 pounds overweight. And uh, I'm like, why do I want to go back? And he said, just go down and try it out. Because he really believed in what he saw in me as a skater. He's like, you got this. You you can do this. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, I'll give him a call. I gave him a call. I went down there and uh, within like four hours I was like, this is going
0: to work. And then we
2: skated together for 20 years.
0: I know you're doing this in between in your, your work. Do you have time for one more each? Or? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, same order, guys. All
1: right. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know this and maybe I'm just crazy, but I've noticed there's, there's differences in ice right so you have i've skated at one rink and every time i skated there the ice seems harder and it hurt my feet and then another rink that i played out all the time it seems softer and it, it my feet would never hurt is there a preference like do you have a preference on the ice and does it make it one make it easier to to do the figure skating than the other or
2: it makes a huge difference on ice so for example So the temperature of a rink goes out at a certain temperature to freeze the ice and returns at a different temperature, obviously, because it's changed temperatures while it's going through the system. So here's an example, in in figure skating, the temperature will go out at about 19 degrees, come back at about 23. So that means the ice is a little softer, okay? Much better for jumping, right? So when you put your pick in the ice, the ice absorbs your pick, throws you into the air a bit like a trampoline okay and so not quite as fast by any means because it's slowing you down you're digging in creating more friction hockey ice goes out at about 11 degrees or 13 somewhere in there comes back at about 16 17 right really really brittle ice really really hard but less water forms under your skate less friction a ton more speed skating on that ice for long periods of time makes your feet hurt right because it's just so hard every time you step on it there's no rebound effect to that ice it's just like you might as well go out and step on a piece of concrete because that's how hard it is so the ice makes a huge difference for figure skaters compared to hockey
4: well, tell us a little bit about the charity that you had with Luann uh, to help uh, kids with the wish foundation tell us a little bit about that
2: <clears throat> so that that's a that's a really in, uh, awesome story because so Louanne hunt came to us one day we we knew her she was always kind of a i would say a fan to start with came to us with this great idea and we were like well we we're skaters we never really thought of doing a show like being involved in that we were always involved in charities that the that Skate Canada had us do, that we had to be part of because of the organization, but never one on our own. Um, so the Children's Wish Foundation, she came to us and said, what if we were able to do a show and, you know, grant someone a wish? And I thought, wow, that would be really interesting. That's something that I love the business side of skating. I love the business side of anything. That's, that's why I got into the GM positions and stuff like that. Um, and we thought, with all our connections, we should be able to do this. Let's let's call on our friends in the skating world, put a show together, see how well we do, see if we can get enough people to come, and let's grant a wish. So we granted a wish to. It was actually the five thousandth wish for uh, children uh, for the for to Make A Wish Foundation, and it was a girl by the name of Crystal, and she was in a wheelchair, and she came from Winnipeg to the show. Uh, and it was so phenomenal to see her with all of these elite figure skaters in a setting where that was her dream. That's what she wanted to do. Um, and Crystal to this day is still alive. It's, it's phenomenal that she's still alive, but she is. Um, and then we were. Luann said to us, what do we do this every year? So... Long story short, we did it for 10 consecutive years, made close to a million dollars for the foundation, had a number of great skaters in the show, and even did a couple of shows that were sort of outside the realm of that because we had our own production company. But that was that was such a great 10 years of my life to give back to not only to figure skating and, and the smaller venues, what we call like a B or a C venue, but also to the to, to Make-A-Wish Foundation um, and the money we raised is something that I, I cherish every
3: day. So Lloyd, Mike mentioned it a little bit earlier about your about your coaching. Can you tell us about you know what you're up to now and, and the type of people that you're training now?
2: So I run a program that's that's run by me called Paceshockey.com. <laughs> and I coach <laughs> privately or in small groups of two or three to hockey players that want to get better, right? To advance their level of skill. We see it in the NHL that in the past 10 years, almost every NHL team now has a power skating skills coach where before they didn't do that, right? The whole game has changed. It's all about how well can I skate? I don't care if you've got golden mitts. If you can't skate, you are not gonna make it at the elite level anymore. The game is just too fast. Um, and we see people getting weeded out. Their careers are so short because they're no longer part of that, right? So I coach privately. I'm on the ice probably six, seven hours a day, coaching everybody from, you know, we'll say might level and squirt level. Um, I have a bunch of kids that have D1 uh, signings to Providence, uh, to Cornell University this year. Uh, one of my students actually just signed, um was drafted by the Kitchener Rangers. He went eighth overall um, in, the, in the draft. Um, so I work with players all, at all levels. Um, and it, it's fun. It's, it's awesome. It's what I love to do, right? I love to be out on the ice coaching with, with, with kids. And it doesn't really bother me if they're, you know, a level A player at tier two, or they have a chance to play USHL or AHL or ECHL because everybody is about how much can I improve, right? How much can I get better? Because we know the chances of any, every young man making it to the NHL is just so small. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't get a scholarship to go to a great D3 school or a D2 school or a D1 school or even get involved more in, in the hockey from maybe you want to be a stats analysis guy or you want to be a videographer, you know, keeping the enjoyment so that you stay in the sport that you love because it's an expensive sport to do. There's no question. Um, So I do that. I do camps all over the country. Um, I currently coach here in New Jersey at two of the rinks, Hollydale Ice Arena and the Eagle at Mount Laurel. I'm on the ice at five o'clock every morning before kids go to school. And then I'm on the ice from, you know, two o'clock till six o'clock when sort of, you know, regular practices for tier one, tier two start in men's league. But uh, my wife, Christy, she's our, she's my videographer. So she comes out and videos everything I put on the website, but yeah, paceshockey.com. I started eight years ago and I just absolutely love it. Did the Kings give you a Stanley cup ring by any chance? <laughs> I did not get a Stanley cup yeah. ring because we're a secondary ring, but my son did get his picture taken with the Stanley cup twice. So okay. that's pretty, pretty cool. He has it up in his room, and uh, that's that's kind of fun to look at because those are memories that, you know, you look at and go, when he was little, he's like, oh, now that he plays hockey, he's like, I have a picture with the Stanley
0: Cup, literally
2: with his hand on it. So nice. that's kind of fun.
0: So we'll get you out of with this tonight. Um, we had uh, Dan Jansen on, who oh, was cool. uh, in a couple Olympics with you. He was also a yep. skating, skating coach for the Blackhawks when they were winning Cups, but uh, – yep. So, 92, you win the bronze medal at the Olympics, and I had read that you were considering retirement, yep. um, so usually the Olympics are every four years, but this was when they were splitting them up, so it came back in 94. Had the Olympics been four years later, would you have retired, or, or, or would you have come
2: back still? I probably would have retired. I was 31 years old at my last Olympics competing against kids that were, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, But by the time they made that decision was June. The Olympics had happened like five, six months earlier. You know, they flipped a coin. Oh, we're going to start with winter. That meant I only had to train for another 18 months. Right. And I love training. I love, I love, I love getting up early. I love working my tail off to get better. And Isabel was more, she was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. It's going to be hard on my body, you know, that type of thing. And yeah, we, we decided, we said, okay, this is how it's going to work. These are some changes we need to make. These are a couple of coaches we need to work with. How can we make ourselves better? We're at this level already, but we want to be better. We want to go in this. We're third. We're going to win. Like that was our whole goal. We're going to win and, and, and that's it, you know? And so we decided they were going to do it. But had it been four years, I would have been, you know, 34, almost 35 years old in the world of figure skating. In pairs,
0: that's old. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Three-time Olympian, two bronze medals at the Olympics, Lloyd Eiser, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that.
2: My pleasure. Love talking to you guys. Thank you for the questions, and uh, I enjoyed the conversation between all of the uh, great
0: pairs of my past. Awesome. Awesome. I want to remind everybody, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also hit that like button. I want to thank you for watching and keep watching and we'll see you all next time. Everyone have a great night.